this song by 10th Avenue North gets at something I think is a deep need in people, and that is to be in significant community. And we're not meant to be islands. We're not meant to try to do life alone. And we're going to really dive heavily into this topic matter this morning. Last week, we had a special speaker, Ian, from Global Partners, and he really introduced today's message well. I'm going to tag on to what he talked on last week and expand on it a little bit this morning, but he talked on this idea that um, we all are part of the redemptive story of Jesus Christ. We're all on mission for Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you were here last week or not, but um, we do this thing called Global Outreach as a church. It's part of the Western Church, and we support uh, a bunch of missionary efforts around the world. And if you want to be part of that, at least financially, you can grab one of these Global Outreach cards from the Information Center and sign up and give to that. I, I want to encourage you to do that, uh, that very thing, man alive. Uh, these men and women are on the front lines for the Lord Jesus Christ and significant ministries happening all over the world uh, because they're willing to go. And so we want to be part of that, even if it's in the small way of financially supporting them. Um, back to Eon, or e Ian. <laughs> Eon. I know I looked at Aaron and laughed, but at any rate, Ian, um, eons and eons ago. Um, but at any rate, um, I, I loved his language of uh, being on mission. When we are born again in Jesus Christ, um, our agenda changes. We, we live life for a different reason. Our purpose of doing things is changed. We become part of the redemptive story of the Lord God. I think sometimes in the mundane doing of life, we forget the awesomeness of Christ. We forget that he's God incarnate, that he's God in flesh, and that he's writing a new story. And I pray today as we go throughout this message that God would open your eyes, that you see that you're part of the new story that God's authoring because of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning we're going to continue our hike into Family Matters. This spring we've been doing this series on Family Matters. And our scenic stop this morning on this hike is that of, of, of looking at what it would be like if the body of Christ were really in unity being directed by Jesus Christ. That would be a beautiful sight. How many of you have ever seen the Grand Canyon? Anybody ever seen the Grand Canyon? I remember the first time I approached the Grand Canyon, it didn't look real. You know what I'm saying? It looked like, you know, like a picture. And as we got closer, I got, this is huge. This thing is big. And then Vicky and I got real close, and we hiked down into it um, several miles. Then it was massively huge as we got in there and experienced it. I think God wants us to begin to have an image of the church that's breathtaking, where we begin to see that we truly are people in community, authentic community, being directed by Christ. And as you drill down into that thing, as you hike down into it, it becomes more and more beautiful. And I want to tell you something. If we begin to become this body, people will look at us and they'll take their breath away. It'll be like seeing the Grand Canyon because you just don't see this kind of thing in our world. And so we're at the scenic stop this morning uh, of, of, uh, and, and looking at and gazing at this view of what it means to be the community of God on mission together. In fact, let me give you our big thought this morning. It's simply this. 
we are on mission for Jesus together. We are on mission for Jesus together. Ian basically... I'm not going to say it again. Last week, our missionary speaker basically got us started on this idea of being on mission for God. I want to expand on that idea by adding this thought to it that we do this together. Years ago, Rick Warren authored a book. It was a simple book for his church. It took off and took on on a life of its own, but it was 40 Days of Purpose, the purpose-driven life. And uh, that was nothing more than just a Bible study that he wrote for his church that basically just took on a life of its own. And in that Purpose Driven Life book that he authored, he gave uh, you know, several really defining uh, kind of definitions for various aspects of, of Christian uh, life. And I love what he said about Christian fellowship. He said Christian fellowship is where the people of God get in a boat and they row together. That's Christian fellowship. You get in a boat, and you row together. In other words, you're in it together. There's this community aspect to Christian fellowship, but it's more than just hanging out with each other. It's more than just doing a meal or having an afterglow or whatever terminology you want to use. It's getting in this boat, going someplace on purpose for Jesus Christ. You're rowing directionally for the Lord Jesus Christ. You're a group of people giving your time and your talents and your, your, your treasures to the cause of Christ with like-minded people, and you're in that boat, and you're grabbing your oar, and you're going directionally where Jesus says to go. That's Christian fellowship. I, I, I love that definition. I want to take a couple moments with you today, and I want to expand this analogy a little bit, this, this definition of, of uh, Christian fellowship by going down some tangents for you and, and saying, and maybe illustrating to you some problems we have sometimes uh, and, and why Christian community doesn't work real well and especially that it's not very directional. I remember years ago, I was on the lake with our big old pontoon and the motor died. And I'm out there in the middle of the lake and I have an oar. And there's a big wind. You know wind, right here, South Dakotans? And uh, a pontoon is not very streamlined. And I had to try to oar that thing in <laughs> to the shore. I was ready to just abandon ship and just swim ashore and say, whoever finds it can have it, you know. And I oared it. It was so much work. By the time I got done, I thought, I don't care if I ever go out on that thing again. A lot of people are trying to do their Christianity like that. They're doing it all by themselves. They're all alone and they're oaring like crazy in this big, awkward, not very streamlined manner of doing life. And it's exhausting because you know what? No man's alone. You're not an island. You're not meant to do it alone. And when you try to do your Christian faith alone, it can be exhausting. Here's another tangent I begin to think about when it comes to this oaring the boat uh, picture that Warren painted for us. This is what I think happens a lot in church. You have one person going like this in the body, right? Another one going like this. Another one like this. And another one like this. Lots of activity. Lots of water splashing. But we're going nowhere. 
I call that being in close proximity, but not being together. Having a church meeting and thinking that's church. We're a family. We're to do things together. We're to roll in the same direction. When you do this or this or this, all you have is a lot of water splashing going on. But the boat's going nowhere. We're working like wild people, right? But we're not going anywhere. I thought of another boating example, and I've seen this one in church myself a few times. It's unfortunate. But what happens is you get a group of strong-willed, choleric kind of people, and they all kind of get together, and they're roaring together. And the rest of the church is kind of sitting there with a little bit of passivity, and their oars are in the boat. Maybe they'll do this now and then. And you know what happens when you have like eight people on one side of a boat rowing? It's called a circle. <laughs> you just go in a circle. I know that really well because I have grandkids. If you try to do anything with them, they're going to all go on the same side. You're just going to go in circles and whatever water device you own at any rate. Um, so when I begin to think of this boat analogy and what Rick Warren is saying, I think, wow, there's a lot of problems I can see that are manifested uh, simply because we're not going at this thing called Christianity together, directionally. Anybody ever watch rowing, like Olympic rowing? Yeah, I knew this would be obscure. It only happens every four years, and then it's usually on at 12 o'clock at night when nothing else is showing. But I always get a kick out of watching because they go so stinking fast. And you got these men and women, and they're in perfect harmony, and they're just stroking away. And it looks like they're not moving very fast when they're on the water, but then every now and then they'll pan off the water and kind of give you a shoreline perspective, and they are booking down that river. When I think of this idea, this big thought that we have today, that we're to be on mission together, I think of that. I think of a rowing crew, a finely oiled machine. They're going a direction, and they're doing it what? Together. Each one is doing their part, and they're focused on that finish line, that goal set before them. I think this is the image God wants us to have of Christian fellowship. That's what it's like. We're doing God's work together as a body. So I'm going to spend a few moments with you this morning just kind of talking about this and giving you some biblical support for, for this imagery that I've presented to you this morning. Um, and hopefully by day's end, you'll get in the boat and paddle with us. Amen? I'm going to take us to Luke this morning. Um, and in doing so, I want to give you some background information leading up to the scripture that I'm going to use today. If you were to look at Luke in a general way, and you look at the first eight chapters of Luke, you would see that those eight chapters basically are validating Jesus Christ. They're saying he's the Son of God, he's no mere human, he's come as Savior of the world. It begins with an account of his miraculous birth. Right away we see this is no common person, this Jesus. He's conceived miraculously. As a young boy, when he goes to temple and he has discussions with the teachers of the law and the leadership, he amazes people by his wisdom. So even as a young boy, we see this is no ordinary person. John the Baptist is doing his job of proclaiming that this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So we have the voice coming before Christ, declaring who he is. Jesus faces off the devil. 
and the devil tempts him, and he comes out victorious. He stands fast against this enemy of God and God's people. Then he begins to heal people like crazy. He begins to teach them, and his wisdom amazes people. And he calls the disciples, and he continues to teach. He continues to heal, and then he disciples the disciples. That's the first eight chapters of Luke. It's all about validating who he is and what he's come to do. And the validation consists of miraculous powers, leadership abilities, wisdom that is profound, crowds that are amazed. He's got all kinds of discipleship happening and healing going on. All this is validating who Jesus is and, and, and telling us, listen to what he has to say. Then he gets to chapter 9 of Luke and chapter 10 of Luke. And he begins to send out the 12, and then he sends out the 72. And basically, you've got to get the flavor of what's happening here. These folk have been with him. They have seen the miracles. They have heard the teachings. They have seen his leadership. They have experienced him firsthand. And what he's basically doing now in Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10, and we have to get this this morning, he is inviting his followers into the story of redemption. He's saying, you now come and you be part of what's happening here. And he sends them out together. Together on mission as part of the redemption story. Let's read about this. I'm going to read about it, first of all, in Luke chapter 9. We're going to look at the story of the sending of the 12. I'm going to read just the first six verses and then jump down to verse 10. When Jesus had called the 12 together... He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and they went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Jump down to verse 10 now. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him and withdrew it by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. So we see he sends out the twelve to be part of the redemptive story, and they go out as community. You getting this? And they come back and they report to Christ what had happened. Now he expands it even more in Luke chapter 10. He sends out the 72. I want to read about that to you also. I'm going to read the verse, four verses of Luke chapter 10 and then jump down to verse 17. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. Now, there's a lot of instruction after this. I'm skipping through that, but we'll get back to it at the conclusion of the message. I would encourage you to read it for yourself, but that's what we tend to zoom in on. It's the next few verses because they're cool and they're kind of interesting. I'm not going to zoom in on those right now because I want to stay focused on this idea that we're to be a community working together on mission for Jesus Christ. Jump down to verse 17 now. This is the experience of the 72 that were sent out. They returned, and here's what happened. 
The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. How do they return? With what? Joy. Just remember that. It's easy to overlook these introductory verses, kind of to these uh, two uh, situations of sending out. I want to zoom in on those this morning with you because I think they're just insightful. Just insightful. And they have to do with our big thought this morning that we are on mission for Jesus together. First of all, the disciples and the 72 were invited in by Jesus to be part of the redemptive story. You and me likewise are called to be part of the redemptive story of Jesus Christ. We're called to be part of the redemptive story of Jesus Christ. That's what Ian was getting at last week. That's what he was talking about. They had seen the miracles. They had heard the teachings. They had witnessed the amazement of Christ. And Christ is now saying, be part of this. Go. Every single person in here who has given their life to Jesus Christ, every single one of you who has given your life to Jesus Christ, you are a brushstroke in the painting that Jesus is creating. Amen? You have a part to play, and that part matters. Do a thought exercise with me. I want you to do a thought exercise with me on your own life. I'm going to share with you on my life, but do this on your own life as I talk with you. Think about how different your life is right now because you've given it to Jesus Christ. Think how different things are in your life. Imagine if you hadn't done that. What would your life be like? I gave my life to Christ as a teenager at 13, and right away God laid on my heart that I had the responsibility to be an intercessor for my parents and my brother and sister to pray for them because I was uniquely placed in that family to be that person. And I began to pray for their salvation. I began to lift their their, uh, beings up to God, so to speak. That's being part of the redemptive story of God. Then I went into college, and I decided to go into the sciences, into engineering. And I remember... God preparing me for that moment, um, creating in me this real deep understanding of creation and the importance of creation and the importance of God as creator and that worthy creation. And even going into school, then I went in with a different worldview because I'm a Christ follower. And I could stand against some of the propaganda, I called at the time, that was just political correctness but wasn't good science. Are you okay with me saying that today? Because... Jesus was in my heart. I was a different person. When I went to 3M, I remember saying to my wife, well, I'm going to try to be a holy experiment here at this place. I'm going to try to do my job in a way that brings glory to Jesus Christ. We'll see what he makes of it. And I often refer to myself as a holy experiment. Vicki and I raised our kids way differently because we're Christ followers. I view my finances utterly differently because I'm a Christ follower. I view my possessions very differently because I'm a Christ follower. I view friendships and marriage really differently because I'm a Christ follower. Listen, because you're a Christ follower, a different story is being written about you. Amen? Do you see that? Has that captivated you? Do you think about it? You're so different because of Christ in you. It's way cool. Isn't it way cool? I look at my own life and I thank God. Thank you, God. Because I know where I was already going as a young person. You saved my soul from that. And I live a different story because of you. 
We need to see we are a mission for Jesus Christ. We are a mission for Jesus Christ. And he is writing part of the redemptive story. And you and I individually, we are brush strokes in that painting that he is putting together. Now we're going to get to the uniqueness of the message this morning. So far, I've covered a, a lot of what Ian covered last week and some more. But now we're going to get to the together part. You are called to be on mission with others. You are called to be on mission with others. The disciples went out together preaching the gospel. The 72 were sent out two by two. They went out together. There are no loners when it comes to God's economy. There are not to be in the islands. We're not to do our own thing. We're to get in the ship called the church and we're to oar together. We're to row towards that goal of the kingdom of God coming in its fullness. I can't help but thinking this way. Well, what would it look like if God's people were together? Where the mission of Jesus was prevailing in us? Where we're hearts, our hearts are broken for the world that's lost? Where we're together as this community uh, having to fellowship one another. We're loving on each other. We're, we're loving on the Lord. We're rowing the boat together. We're diminishing and Christ is increasing in us. His kingdom is being exalted in our midst. We're, you know, thinking less about ourselves, thinking more and more about the Lord Jesus Christ. We're doing it together. We're encouraging each other in our most holy walk. We're looking at other people, not judging on them, not looking down on them because they act like unsaved people, but we're looking on them with the love of Jesus Christ, and we're rowing the boat towards the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're being transformed. We're becoming more Christ-like the longer we live. Wouldn't that be a beautiful sight to the world? Wouldn't that be a fun place to live in? That's what God is calling us to. That's the fellowship he's calling us to enjoy. I think the deepest friendships are forged in ministry. When we do the work of God together, some of the deepest friendships are forged. God is calling us to be on mission together. Can we just enjoy a meal every now and then? Sure we can, of course. Can we have friends we love to hang out with? Sure. I'm not saying we don't do any of those things, but I'm saying is we got to begin to understand that Christian fellowship, Christian community is getting in the boat and doing what? Going someplace together on purpose for the Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor Steve Warner our youth pastor uh, did a 30-day, oh, I did it again, 30-hour, not 30 days. That would be a long time to do a famine fast. He did a 30-hour fast uh, with the youth group um, to try to bring to them recognition of hunger and what a lot of the world goes through. But what I, li what I liked about uh, this event was you had a community doing something Together, on purpose, taking a direction towards Christ-likeness. This is true Christian fellowship. And so we have a video of that event. Watch it, would you please? A couple of weeks ago, Grace Point Student Ministry participated in World Vision's 30-hour famine. This is an amazing event, as it does three really important things in the life of, of students. Number one, uh, raises awareness and allows them to see the needs that are going on around the world, the physical needs that are not being met. 
we truly saw our students come together. More than 50 students and volunteers came together for a common goal. Secondly, it gives uh, students an opportunity uh, to be able to raise support, uh, to raise money for, for those that are in need, to be able to supply uh, things for them. And thirdly, uh, it brings students together uh, for a common goal, for a common cause. And throughout all of these things, I saw our group, I saw our students come together. I saw them join together on mission, intentionally stepping out and saying, here is something that, a need that needs to be met. Here is, here is a place of injustice. Here are people that, that need to hear uh, the, the truth of, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're coming together as a group and doing this one thing. And so I was amazed at the way that God used them. I'm, I'm still amazed at the way that he's continuing to work in and through our ministry, not just as individuals, but as a group, as a team, as a family. This is my first time fasting and it has been really hard. I'm really hungry. And it's just been super eye-opening to like realize what I take for granted and what other people don't get every day that we get all the time. Um, some things that I've learned is that People in Africa, they have to live every day like this without any food, without any water, and they have to walk thousands of miles in, their, in a year. And I think it's just really hard to do that. This experience has been completely life-changing because we had a speaker come in last night and talk about all that he went through in Sudan and how, how atrocious his life had been, but how he can come out smiling and joyful and as bright as he can. And I'm so thankful that he can come and share his experience with us and make this challenge and 30 hours more realistic. Uh, this is a great example of a community being on mission together, going towards Christ, right? Isn't that cool? And that's true Christian fellowship. And it's not necessarily a fun thing to do. Uh, a lot of what God calls us to is hard, but there's a joy in doing that. And that, that's a benefit. I want to get to the benefit of, 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 of what we're being taught here today by the Lord Jesus Christ, that we're to be on mission together. There is a joy of doing life like that. The disciples come back to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're full of joy. And so a benefit of, of, of doing this, you know, rowing in the boat together kind of thing, kind of approach to Christianity, is there just as a joy on being in mission together for Jesus Christ. There really is a joy there. Um, I didn't read the in-between part of Luke chapter 10 to you, but what they did was kind of hard there. What they were told to do was hard. They had to walk in that dusty, dry place to all the places where Jesus was going to go if you were to the 72, and um, they were to proclaim to that town uh, the coming of Christ's visit uh, if a house welcomed them, they were to go to that house, and then they would get food, and they would get their, their subsidence there. If not, they'd have to find another house. I, have any of you ever gone on a long hike? I do that frequently. I, I love to do that. I've talked about that. I always make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I'll hike, say, let's say, six, seven miles. That peanut butter and jelly sandwich is delicious because you're so hungry. And my wife always packs baby carrots. I hate those. But when you've hiked five miles, baby carrots are good. You're hungry. So Jesus is telling these 72, go. What you're going to do is hard. Don't take any food. What? We're in this arid, deserty place where thirst and hunger would be a big issue. 
And we have to depend on God and others? Uh-huh. That's the hard part of going. The youth, they experienced hunger. It was a hard thing they did. But the disciples returned full of what? Joy. The youth basically are saying, this was a joyous thing. I don't know about you, but I would not want to be going, dust off my feet, you pagans. That would not be fun. That's not happy games thing. It's tough stuff. They had to do some tough things, but they returned full of joy because of what they saw happen. Here's two realities we have to understand as a community of God who go on mission for Him. One, you're going to have to be dependent on God and others. You're going to have to be dependent on God and others. You really are. That's just what God is saying to us here. That's what the Lord Jesus is teaching us here. Secondly, you're going to have to say and do some hard things. But ultimately, it leads to joy. Listen, as God's people, we should have joy prevailing all the time. Amen? That means we should have a countenance that's determined by Christ in us and not by the circumstances we're facing. I tell people, maybe we need to do a little exercise. Here's the exercise. Do you, do you think people would like to look at your face? Would you like to look at your own face? Practice in front of a mirror. Smile. Be engaging. I, I'm only sort of joking here. Practice so that people would feel welcomed by you. What kind of body language do you use? Because as people filled with the Holy Spirit and Jesus living in us, we ought to show it a little bit, amen? Just a little bit. And this going and being in community and going on mission, it's, it's a full of joy kind of thing. I want to end with just one quick thought here, just a super quick thought. You're going to leave church today and you're going to go home to your families, whatever that looks like. Some of you are single, I realize that. Some of you are young married, no kids. Some of you are older married, no kids. Some of you have a, you got a lot of kids. It doesn't matter what the situation is. Listen to what I'm about to say. What I'm saying applies to you too in that situation because I see a lot of families living in proximity but doing their own thing. Mom's doing this. Dad's doing this. Kids are doing this. Well, one of them's probably doing this. You know what I mean? They're just doing all kinds of things. You're in proximity but you're not in biblical community. Biblical community says I'm in the boat rowing together. So you as a family, whatever that family unit looks like, you need to be rowing your boat towards Jesus Christ. Coming to church like this is a wonderful thing to do. You're stroking the right direction, all right? I'm going to say that. I'm going to affirm you this morning. You're stroking in the right direction. It's more than that. How do you live at home for the glory of Jesus Christ? What does that look like? Begin to ask those questions. Get your kids on board. Begin to train them up. Get them stroking in the boat really when they're little. Pray before your meals. Talk about Jesus as you walk along. When you enjoy a moment and you see the glory of Christ, stop and do that out loud. Let your kids join in. Have this kind of mentality that we're stroking the family towards Jesus Christ. Amen? I just want to challenge you with that. I need to quit. Let's pray. And then we have a great song to finish with today. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord God, I want to thank you for uh, just this teaching of Christ. Jesus, you are Messiah. You are the Son of God. 
Your conception was miraculous. Your life was miraculous. You healed miraculously. Your just teaching was amazing. People were just dumbfounded around you. You're so amazing. And you invite us into that redemptive story. You invite us to be on mission together. And so this day, Lord, we gladly jump into this redemptive story as a body. Grace us to love on each other, to be captured by the large things of the Bible, the bringing your message to all the world, the being conscious that we live in a fallen place where so many people are lost that they need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Help us to, to row our boat towards that direction, Lord. Help us to love each other freely, Lord, here, because that's going to speak reams to the world that's far gone. And Lord, help us to go out from here committed to the church, committed to one another as a family, committed to our families at home in a way that brings you glory, Lord. Just committed to, to community in Christ and, and being on mission for Christ. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Now as we sing this song, may it truly be a song of our heart. And all God's people said, Amen.